This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again, friends, to the Equip Podcast. I am here again with you, Mark Vance, lead pastor of Cornerstone Church in Ames, recording from Ames, Iowa. And today I want to talk to you about why I got off of social media. Now, okay, let me just state this at the outset. I'm not trying to say everyone in the world needs to drop their Facebook account because it's inherently toxic. I'm not trying to advocate that everyone needs to do exactly what I did as if we have some sort of legalistic standard at Cornerstone where everyone needs to be off social media. They're not spiritual. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what I want you to hear. What I want to talk through is the reasons why I made a deliberate decision to intentionally limit my personal use of social media. I arrived at this conclusion a while back there that really what I was going to do is be very, very limited in the way I use tools like Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. You, you know the things out there better than I do, people. So I, what I do, honestly, here's what I do with social media, is I check into Facebook every once in a while. I have unfriended literally everyone who does not have a cute baby. And what I do is basically comment on birth announcements by hitting the happy button or the heart button or the like button. Particularly, I watch videos of people that I discipled in the past who now are having uh, children and they have wonderful kids. And I just think, what a joy. That seems to me to be a helpful thing. It's like having a Christmas card arrive on your phone from time to time with a photo of a beautiful family. And that makes me happy. But Basically, every other use of social media, I stopped doing. I stopped checking Twitter for news. I stopped subscribing to feeds. I got off of all of that. And actually, I was prompted to kind of explain why on this for two reasons. One is we're getting ready to do a training for our staff team at Cornerstone on what social media is and what it's good for and what we're trying to do with it as a church. But the second one was I watched a documentary with my family last week called The Social Dilemma. It is taking the internet by storm. It's on Netflix. Not everything in it I would agree with, but I would say I think everybody should watch it because it had some really interesting perspective on what social media is, what it's causing in our society. And that perspective was offered really by the people who designed the tools, former executives from Google, from Facebook, from Instagram, telling you basically why they don't get onto social media themselves anymore. It was profoundly interesting. It stirred a lot of conversation in my house, and I thought, you know, I think this is a conversation that Christians and Cornerstone need to be having too. Because as Christians, we have to live by Philippians 4, verse 8. Paul tells that church at Philippi, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is moral excellence or anything praiseworthy, set your mind on these things. To to do that in a social media world is really difficult. And so some of you are going to use social media differently than me. Totally fine. But I'm going to share with you today the reasons why I shut it down, why I got off social media. I have three major social reasons, three major personal reasons, and then I'll kind of have an application at the end for all of us. So let's dive into it. Why did I get off social media? Three major social reasons, kind of as a citizen of the world, 
as I look out at where we're headed culturally and socially, I think there were three things that I became increasingly convinced that social media was a bad thing for a lot of people in our culture, not a good thing. Here's reason number one. I saw a tie between the use of social media, the rise of social media usage, and polarization and anger in our public discourse. Okay, so one of the insights here of The Social Dilemma as a documentary is that you have to remember that the social media tools you use aren't just neutral things. These companies are designing algorithms to get you to click on things and keep scrolling through your feed. It's designed to push you to get online and stay online and keep clicking because that makes them more money. They are selling you as the user in your data to others. How do they do that? Their commodity is your attention. And what you figure out is when you start using social media, careful and nuanced thinking doesn't hold people's attention as much as clickbait screaming. And so what's happening is there is a reality distortion effect happening online when you use social media. You have a tendency to see the world as the people who agree with me and are good and normal and the wackos and nut jobs out there on the other side. The world becomes two sides. Everyone is with me or everyone is on the other side. And what started to hit me as I watched how social media was working out was that I was watching the rise of a new sort of cancel culture and fundamentalism on both the right and the left politically and socially. What I mean by that is the cancel culture is simply this. Instead of trying to figure out why I disagree with someone, I just go, anyone who disagrees with me is a insert insult here, a moron. How could idiots think things like this? Instead of asking the question, huh, I wonder why someone different than me thinks like that. Now, I have a unique perspective on that because I grew up inside of an American Christian stream called fundamentalism. A fundamentalist isn't someone who just holds the truth of Scripture. It's a brand of church life that not only holds truth of Scripture, but is willing to do battle against people who disagree And what that means is if you disagree with someone, you separate from them. You push away from them. You don't try to listen. You got to get away from the error. I'm seeing that happening in the public dialogue in America, and I just cannot cannot help but think it is not coincidental that social media entered into our stream of consciousness around 2007, and we have ended up where we are now in 2020. And I don't think it's really getting much better. I think it's getting worse. Okay, so one major social reason I got out is I don't want to be part of a rising tide of polarization and anger. I want to demonstrate kindness. And that leads me to my second point. In social media, I saw a loss of nuance and careful thinking. In other words, the tool of social media is not designed to cultivate careful and sustained thought. This was first kind of came to my attention years back before social media entered. I read a paper by a gentleman named Marshall McLuhan titled, The Medium is the Message. And this paper was written in 1964. And McLuhan was actually talking about the transition from how people got their information from written form, like newspapers, to a visual medium of TV, And what McLuhan said is, what you're going to find is basically this. 
the politician who looks the best while he talks is going to start to win the debates, not the politician who offers the most sound and thorough arguments, because people are absorbing it through the medium of visual, not just the medium of reading. The medium, the way you take in information, this was McLuhan's point, is not neutral. It actually shapes you. If you take in information in 140 characters off Twitter, you are teaching yourself to basically be ADD in how you process info. You are limiting your attention span. You are training yourself like a dog trained when a treat rings to take in information in 140 character bite-sized bits. And what I'm telling you is we don't live in a world that has 140 character bite-sized problems. People are more complicated than that. The world is more complicated than that. So the problem isn't that social media is bad in all regards. It's a fine tool to share a nice cat video out with people. Everybody loves cat videos. It's a bad tool to cultivate long-form, careful thinking about in-depth issues. And my life as a pastor is basically about my ability to sustain my attention span, reading a 2,000-year-old ancient book and wrestling with the depth of the problems of the human heart. I have to keep thinking for a long time to do that. And social media was making me an ADD person. Here's the way Solomon described it to our staff. He said, social media is a fine tool, but you can choose to brush your teeth with either a toothbrush or a broom. Both are brushes. One is designed to do one thing. Another is designed to do another. And my simple point is this. Social media is not designed to lead you to think carefully and consistently. It's designed to get you to click and keep you scrolling. And I think that's a problem. Here's the third thing that I saw as a major social problem. This one really came to my attention as Salt Company Director at Iowa State. It's that looking people in the eye matters. I started seeing a generation of guys coming to Iowa State University who had no idea to talk how to talk with girls. And I don't mean just like the normal shyness that every boy has because girls have cooties, but they don't really, and they kind of like them, and they don't know what to do. What I mean was an utter actual inability to pick up normal social cues. I used to have to walk my D group guys around Iowa State, and we would like point at a girl and say, you have to go make a conversation with that girl. And they could not do it. It was absolutely impossible for them. It was like, hey, uh, uh, quick, pull the phone out of my pocket. Look at it. I feel awkward. I can't do this. We stopped sitting on a bus next to people and talking to the person to our right. And instead, we put headphones in and smartphones up, and we lost our ability to talk. To make conversation is actually an important thing. It furthers the life of our species as humans because men cannot find mates and women if they cannot talk to these people. Women are emotional creatures. You have to listen. You have to respond empathetically. You have to nod along in a conversation. And you're never going to be taught that on social media. And so I know this may seem trivial in a dating example, But when we lose the art form of real conversation with real people right in front of us and instead engage with the digital world as the primary mode of interaction, we're losing something of our humanity. And I think that's a big loss. So those three social reasons, 
the tie of social media to the rise of polarization and anger, the tie of social media to a loss of nuance and careful thinking in public conversation, and the degrading of personal interaction, human to human, in person. I think those things have big consequences on us as a culture. But beyond that, in my own life as a human being, as a person who wants to follow Jesus and live fruitfully, there were three main reasons why I decided I need to take a step back from social media. Here's the first reason. I am a dad. I'm a father. And the effect of social media on middle school girls and on kids in particular is breaking my heart. So I want to give you a website. And if you want to get into the show notes, you can click on it. Or you can just Google, wait until 8th. Wait until 8th. It's not a Christian movement. It's just a group of people who are making the argument that actually it would be good for us as parents to wait until eighth grade to allow our children to have a smartphone and most likely to go far beyond that before we allow our children to have social media. Let me read you the reasons why they say you should wait until eighth as a parent. First off is this, smartphones are changing childhood. Instead of playing outdoors, our kids are catching up on videos on YouTube. Second, smartphones are profoundly addictive. They are like a slot machine in your child's pocket. Third, smartphones are an academic distraction. That is true. Fourth, excessive smartphone use is altering children's brains. We have groundbreaking studies now from the National Institute of Health using MRI technology on the brains of children who use smartphones, tablets, or video games for more than seven hours a day, and their brains look different profoundly different, especially in how you process information coming in through your senses. Here's fifth. Smartphones impair the sleep of children. Sleep disturbances have bad effects on kids. Sixth, smartphones interfere with real relationships. The phone is a constant distraction. Real friendship dwindles as they invest their energy in online friendships. Seventh, smartphones increase the risk of anxiety and depression in children. And in particular, suicide rates are on the rise, especially for girls between the ages of 10 to 14 years old. In this age group, suicide rates have tripled since the advent of the smartphone. That should break your heart. Eighth, smartphones put your children at risk for cyberbullying. Ninth, smartphones expose children to sexual content. And then finally, technology executives are banning their own children from using the technology they created. Okay, wait until eighth. You should read it as a parent. And here's the thing. I want to teach my kids a different way of living. And I was unable to tell my children your smartphone isn't going to be a good thing for you if I was looking down at my social media feed while having dinner with them. As a dad, I want a better life for my kids, and so I need to recognize that this smartphone in my pocket, frankly, guys, it should come with a Surgeon General's warning. We have them on cigarettes, right? Kids shouldn't smoke because it kills kids to smoke cigarettes. You should have it on a smartphone too because it's killing kids. Second reason for me personally is I, I have a village-sized heart, and social media was making me feel like I needed to be in touch with an internet-sized world constantly. 
man, that just makes you anxious all the time. There are so many cares and concerns. You could just scroll through the international news right now, and there's a hundred things that you shouldn't be able to scroll past. You shouldn't be able to scroll past a tsunami wiping out villages in Southeast Asia because that's heartbreaking. It shouldn't just be a blip. And so what you find is we weren't created to care for the cares of the world. They're too big for us. And I was finding my heart constantly burdened by the cares of the world. And here's what I began to find. I was almost emotionally exhausted to give myself to the cares of the real people in front of me. My primary calling in life is to be a man in Christ, a husband to Crystal, a father to Owen, Avery, and Reed, and a pastor at Cornerstone Church in Ames, Iowa. I live in Ames. I need to care about my neighbors and about my church. Being a shepherd at Cornerstone Church of Ames isn't just some sort of abstract title for me. I have to pray for the people by name because they're real people in a real place. And if I'm constantly scrolling through the feed, using hours to keep up on the cares of the world, I found my village-sized heart burdened with anxiety and myself actually distracted from the cares God had given me stewardship over. I need to make a difference in the real world where I live, not just in a social world that I'm a part of digitally. And then final point for me, and this was really central, the third reason I got off was social media wasn't making me more holy. I was finding myself looking at my phone at the dinner table with my family, not engaging in a space of encouragement and blessing with the people who are most important to me in the universe. I wanted to make sure I didn't miss the latest highlight on my ESPN feed. And as you look, I mean, I'm telling you really where the conviction came was when stinking Apple put the screen time thing baked into their operating system and I could get an actual real-time look at how much I was touching my phone and looking at my phone. And I thought, am I looking my kids and my wife in the eyes as much as I'm staring at this screen? Am I giving as much of my heart to them? And so more so, I wasn't just getting off because I wanted my kids to thrive or because I felt anxious. I was getting off because anything that doesn't produce holiness is sin. See, I think that's the way you should live as a Christian. Whatever makes you more holy, you should feed that. Whatever makes you less holy, more anxious, more sinful, you should starve that. Feed the the spirit, starve the flesh, put gasoline on the things that grow your heart for Jesus. And guess what? Social media, I didn't often get off my Twitter feed and think I should hit my knees and worship God. (laughs) That was not my experience in life. Social media wasn't resulting in holiness and love in my own life. And so I thought, you know what? I care more about holiness than being hooked into a digital internet world. I should just stop. So I stopped. That was a little over a year ago, really, where I made a huge shift, and I have absolutely no intention to return to highly using social media. So, for you listening to this, what should you do with this? It's simple. Everybody should give back their smartphones, get one of those old school brick... No, I'm kidding. I still have an iPhone. I'm literally recording this podcast on it right now. The wisdom to guide us is Paul's ancient words from Philippians 4. Brothers and sisters, those things that are true, 
honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, of moral excellence, praiseworthy. We should find a way to set our mind on those things. And what I'm telling you is, if you don't make an intentional plan for how you will use social media, you will not drift into holiness. You will drift away from it. I'm not telling you you have to shut off smartphone or smart social media. I'm telling you, you need a plan for how you're going to use it. So what's going to be your approach? I told you mine. I got off all of it except for Facebook to like pictures of people's cute babies. I don't know that that's your plan, but you need to have one. You need to have an intentional thought about how you're going to use social media. And let me push you, especially parents. You need a plan before your kid hits middle school about what you're going to do with smartphones and social media. There's not one right way, but there certainly are more or less wise ways. And what I can tell you is this. In this social media world, if you don't have a good plan, you're not going to drift into a closer walk with Jesus. You're not going to drift into more wisdom. We always drift away from those things. And I want to caution you. Social media Man, it can be a powerful tool for good, but it can also be a powerful tool for sin, for distraction, for bad. And if you don't have a plan in it, I want you to take this podcast as kind of the urging for you to set time with, maybe it's you and your wife need to sit down and talk, or you and a couple friends at your small group. You should watch The Social Dilemma and have a conversation about what social media is doing in your life. Why? Because our primary calling is to live faithfully where Jesus called us in this world, to be his people. And so use social media in whatever way you want to, whether you're shutting it down or opening it up. Do it all for the glory of God and for your good and holiness in the world. 